This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. Hour two of Sportsnet today rolling on. Floating Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. On a game day for the Calgary Flames, a quick two-game road trip that starts tonight against the Dallas Stars. Tonight for our uh, look at the opposition, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And welcome in from Bally Sports Southwest covering the Dallas Stars. This is Brian Ray giving us uh, some of the time this afternoon. Brian, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Doing good. Good to talk to you guys again. How are you? We're doing good, man. Uh, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, look, good times for the Dallas Stars right now. I know coming into action tonight against the Flames, uh, three straight wins, uh, first in the division, second in the conference. And uh, talk to me a bit about that big win Saturday. It felt like a good statement win for the Dallas Stars over the Colorado Avalanche. I think statement win is a good way to put it. Uh, and I don't know how many teams can say they hung a seventh spot on, on the defending champs, but I, I, I think it was good. My, my co-host Brent Severin and I were talking about this today. You know, you're playing your first game coming out of the trade deadline and you, you get to have that exhale of, okay, this is who our group is moving forward. But the first game they're playing is against the Colorado. They're not playing, you know, an Arizona or a Columbus. So they kind of, you know, not that they're not inspired or motivated when they're playing other teams, but you obviously want to set a tone for your final 20 games of the season. And they clearly did that against Colorado. And, you know, it, it felt like just the stars, as the old cliche goes, they came out on their toes. They, they certainly set a tone, especially in the first period. And, and even when Colorado scored to make it a two, one lead for the stars, you know, that they got a goal immediately following that to make it 3-1 all of a sudden. So I, I think a good start fueled what was a, uh, yeah, as you said, a statement game for the Dallas Stars that they're going to try and hold on here and win the division. Let's talk about the two moves that Jim Neal made heading uh, close to the trade deadline. The first one came up a little bit ago, a uh, one-for-one swap with the Montreal Canadiens, Brian, and it sees of getting to Donoff come to Dallas in exchange for Dennis Gurianoff. I guess just give me the uh, – the early scouting report on Dodonov in Dallas colors. So far, so good. You know, he's got a point in, in every game he's played since coming to Dallas. And, you know, you mentioned Dodonov. I know we're going to talk Max Domi here in a moment. But the, the, the bottom line, if you look at the stars historically, depth offense has been a problem for probably about three years now. Okay. And, it looked like they had addressed that a little bit through the first half of this year. They were getting goals from Barchmith. They were getting goals from Sagan. Why Jamie Benz had a resurgence. Why Johnston's a 19-year-old rookie that that's looked pretty, pretty composed in this situation. But ever since mid-January, you know, maybe even the All-Star break, things kind of dried up for the stars offensively, even like Joe Pavelski was just in an 18 game goal drought. So even their top line had, had a couple, couple of dry spots offensively. So 
the stars were looking for goal scoring help, but there was not a lot of cap space and there was not a lot of draft capital or prospect capital that they could either use or were willing to part with. So Dodonov is kind of a, a sneaky efficiency bet by Jim Nill because he's been a 20 goal scorer before, you know, a handful of times. And he was a 20 goal scorer under Pete DeBoer. You know, his, his, he only had like four goals this year when they got him. So this year's numbers looked not good, you know, on a, on a tough Montreal team, but there was a resume and a track record there. So I think they're banking on a little bit that a first place team, a playoff race, and a familiarity with Pete DeBoer will kind of invigorate his offense a little bit. And so far it has, you know, as I said, he's got scored in his first game. He's got a point in each game since he's come here playing with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnston. So that first move so far has worked out pretty well in the short term. Just on the other side of that, what happened for Dennis Gurionov that made him expendable for the stars team? Dennis is a kind of a, uh, I don't know if it's a weird story, but it's sort of a trying to think of the best way to describe this. The, the inconsistencies of Dennis Gurionov, that's probably the label that would be used down here in Dallas. Is okay. The inconsistencies. Because yeah. you, you have a player with world-class skills in terms of his speed and his shot. And look at the first goal he scored for Montreal. You know, if you want a glimpse of what, of what he's capable of. But he scores 20 goals three seasons ago, and then he hasn't been able to even come close to that total, you know, the last two plus seasons here in Dallas before he was traded. And then also there's throughout his career, there's been inconsistencies in, in, in his own zone. Not, not that you want, you know, a 20 goal score to be strictly about defense, but you do need to have some responsibility and, and a little bit of awareness in your own zone. And I think he struggled with that a little bit. And I think as things went along and the lack of consistency sort of fuels frustration, fuels a lack of confidence, starts to fuel a, a tough situation for both sides, for the player and for the team. So that's, that's what's going on on the ice with, with Dennis Gurionov here in Dallas off the ice. He's on a one-year deal as a restricted free agent at the end of this season, and the qualifying offer has to be $2.9 million. That's his contract. Mm-hmm. So at this point, he had fallen down to fourth-line minutes. He was essentially playing 10 minutes a game. So are you willing to risk something for nothing on a player that, the value of what he had done here in Dallas was not worth a 2.9 qualifying offer for what, 10 minutes of fourth line play over the course of a, of a game. And, you know, whatever Dennis Gurionov had done up to this point, you know, was there really any reason to believe that all of a sudden a light switch was going to go off and he was going to go on some 12 goal tear in the final 20 games of the season? It, it, it was time for both sides to break up, essentially. So, you know, you, getting back to the trade on Dodonov, it seems like a really good trade for both sides. Montreal is going to take a flyer on a 25-year-old kid who clearly needs a, a change of scenery. And we, had, we just saw what Martin San Louis did with Cole Caulfield when he had his struggles. So Montreal is getting a young asset. And then Dallas is essentially getting a proven 20-goal scorer who was having a down year, but – 
Evgeny Dodonov was not going to give you worse production than Denis Gurionov. It's either going to be the equal or better. So both sides get something I think that they need out of this trade. So that, that's what went down with Denis Gurionov and the decision to move on from him. And you mentioned him already, Max Domi. He was uh, in the lineup for his Stars debut Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche. One game probably too soon to uh, to dive into early results, but I guess, Brian, where do you see him fitting in best with this Stars team, and what kind of value does he bring down the stretch for this group? You know, I, I agree with you that one game, you know, is one game. It, it doesn't dictate a season, but man, the, the way he looks individually on the ice, at least to me watching that game against Colorado, this could be a really, really important pickup for the stars right now. He's playing with Marchment and Sagan. And, you know, I had mentioned the offense had dried up. I mentioned Pavelski's goal scoring streak. Marchment went 32 games without a goal. And this is a player you brought in to play top six and second power play unit that, that you, you need to figure something out offensively there. So in steps, Max Domi and they were probably, you could argue they were the stars most effective line in the win over Colorado. But the, I was looking at, some analytics today with Domi and the stars aren't a big for, for an analytics nerd out there. They're not a big puck possession team. They don't hold the puck for gobs of time in the offensive zone. They're, they're more based on movement and, and, and getting the puck to the net as quick as possible. Um, so Domi in the game against Colorado led the stars with 48 seconds of puck possession time in the offensive zone. That number was higher than the season average for every single player on the Stars roster. So Sagan and Marchment, they have not played with a player like this all season. And I believe he's the eighth. He's the seventh or eighth different player that Marchment and Sagan have lined up with this year. So they've never had a player like this that can truly hold a puck in the offensive zone and extend a play. By, by, by a couple of seconds or, or, or extend a cycle for a couple of seconds. And if you look at the goal that Marchman scored, it was Domi holding the puck for a second or two longer to start a play. And then they had another dynamite shift where the three of them, it, it felt like they had a low to high cycle. I think it was three times, you know, it felt like they were holding the puck or for a 10 to 15 second span. So little chunks like that, that I watch in the first game, I go, okay, this isn't going to happen all the time, every game. But if things like this start to happen on a more consistent basis, now you're creating more opportunities for a Marchment and Sagan grouping that has been unable to find consistent offense. And now maybe you're talking about three lines that can give you offense as opposed to two lines, which is pretty much how it's been for the stars all year. So I, I think the way Max Domi can possess the puck and possibly extend a little bit of shift time in the offensive zone is going to be a the the difference maker for what the Stars could potentially do. Brian Ray joining us for a look at the opposition, Flames and Stars tonight from Dallas. Uh, Brian from Bally Sports Southwest. And Brian, another cool thing uh, Saturday is one of the cool traditions in the NHL was the silver stick presentation uh, to Jamie Benn for hitting a thousand games in the NHL. And uh, look, Jamie's having one of his best seasons Really, since I think you look at it, 2017-18, this is going to be the best season for him offensively. But, you know, different times we've talked and you've said, look, there's there's more to Jamie Benn than simply, you know, goals and assists. But I got to imagine it's a big bonus for this team when that guy can be this offensive weapon and can be 
that sort of dominant threat that we know he's been at different times in his career as, you know, to, to go along with the leadership and go along with all the other things that he brings to that team. Yeah, the, the intangibles are the intangibles, right? And, you know, one of the intangibles came in the first period against the Colorado game. Jamie Benn leveled Arturi Luckett in a clean hit. But you want to talk about setting a tone going up against the defending champs. Little things like that, sure. But, yeah, even earlier when we started chatting in the last three seasons of offensive issues for the Dallas Stars, you have to find a solution somewhere. And, you know, the emergence of Robertson, the emergence of Hints, that helps internally. Adding Marchment, they were hoping that was an external option, and it's been hit or miss, hot and cold this year. Wyatt Johnston, who I'll consider that an external addition because he was coming out of junior hockey, it's nice to get those from a few other places. But, yeah, now you add Jamie Benn as another internal. You're you're not getting free offense because he's had this, this offensive production before, but after the last few years when the offense didn't seem to be there, all of a sudden there's an injection of it. It does kind of feel like you're getting some free offense back without spending any money or draft picks on, on the cap or on, on the external market. Uh, and, and for the silver stick thing, I, I do have one. I wish they would have done one thing. Jamie Ben has such a weird tape job on his stick <laughs> where he basically, I mean, it's like, it's like a three inch sliver of white tape near the toe and that's it. It's the string. I wish they would have taped the silver stick. That would have been hilarious. Around the, it would have been awesome. And, if, and, and anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, just Google his stick tape job. You'll never see any other player in the NHL have it. I wish they would have taped the silver stick. That would have been a good one. He's got one of the more unique ones across the NHL, and you're right. That would have been just one uh, one added thing to uh, to Jamie Ben's career. Because he's had that for a while, too, hasn't he, Brian? Like, that's not a recent thing by any means. No, and, and when, he, when he played his actual 1,000th game, I think it was back on February 6th, um, the entire team came out for for warmups with their hair greased back, and they all taped their sticks just like Jamie Ben. That was sort of their their homage to the captain playing his actual one thousand. It looked awesome. Some of them looked awful with the slicked hair, but but if you ever watch Jamie Ben take warmups, I mean that's his look. He he slicks it back tight, and then all of a sudden, and then he's got that little tape job. So the whole the uh, the the whole team came out and did. That uh, that exact mimic of their captain. That's great. That's uh, that's so funny and always. Yeah, you, you know when Jimmy Ben's out there, the but there's no bucket. There's the grease hair back, and uh, he's one of the more unique players across the NHL. And so cool for him uh, yeah. to hit that thousand game mark and to do it having such a great season too. I think that's so cool for Dallas Stars fans because I, I think of Jimmy Ben and I, I kind of look at him as a guy that helped transition away from the Mike Medano era. Brian, I don't know if you help see it the same way or not? Because there was a couple of years there where it felt like Dallas was looking for the next guy to grab onto that was going to lead Dallas hockey going forward. Yeah, you're well. You're opening up a, a Pandora's box of, of <laughs> Dallas hockey history, and, and I know we're ta- I know we're talking in Calgary, but you, it, the yeah, the Madonna Turco Letton era was coming to a close, and in steps this young rookie and second year player named Jamie Ben. Jamie has a lot of times credited actually Brendan Morrow, who was the captain of the stars during the the prime developmental years of Jamie's career. Uh, so Brendan Morrow was kind of the captain that really influenced Jamie as a captain here in Dallas. And then the, the other thing is 
while all of that was transitioning on the ice, the Dallas Stars were also they 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 were coming out of a bankruptcy. You know, they were they were in the middle of an ownership change. They were dealing with with low times on the ice at certain points and and you know now their owner who's based out of western canada tom gallardi you know has, has put the team in a very strong position but it's it's one thing to be transitioning from one core to another on the ice but when you have an organization that's dealing with some lean years trying to come out of a bankruptcy and reestablish a, a solid ownership presence i mean that's a whole other thing mm-hmm. as well so he's and then the number of head coaches that he's gone through in his career with, with some of the, the, the names that have gone in and out, there's been a lot that Jamie Ben has, uh, has dealt with in Dallas. And, and I, I did a sit down with him for that 1000th game. And, and he summed it up perfectly where he's Dallas stars. Hockey is the only thing he's known in his professional career. It's the, it's the only thing that's been a part of it. Very cool, and uh, yeah, hey, I know we're talking Dallas Stars here in Calgary. I know Flames fans of from afar always appreciate it because he's had some of those those all time nights, and I can tell you because our our fan feedback line lights up about it every time we talk about Jamie Ben. There's been some times here in Calgary where him and Tyler Sagan have had some of those five six point nights, and you just go, "Holy, am I excited for this guy to get out of town?" He's been that for a lot of different teams, <laughs> and uh, it's cool to think that he hit that thousand game mark and he's still going strong. Uh, out there in Dallas. Brian, one guy I got to ask you about, and I know game scripts always change these things and time on ice isn't always, uh, you know, always indicative of what the story was, but I love looking at, at Dallas's game Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche and seeing 19-year-old Wyatt Johnston, who has 1753 of time on ice, that leads all Dallas Stars forwards. He's 19 years old. He was 63% in the faceoff dot. He plays power play. He's got penalty kill. He could score 20 goals in his first NHL season. How special is the year that Wyatt Johnson's having for the Dallas Stars? It's, I mean, you, you kind of summed it up right there. So he didn't, he didn't hit the rookie wall, right? You know, a lot of rookies, come, unless your name's McDavid, you know, a lot of rookies come in and they're pretty good right up until about January one. And then they sort of, they sort of saunter off and, you know, he, he wasn't going to light up the, the score sheet in terms of heavy production, like say Beniers did in Seattle, but he had this really consistent just presence about him where he was all, he was basically playing every third shift. He, he had a consistent shift for him and he never ran into some 12 or 15 or, or 19 game point drought ever in, in this season. And now he's got, I was just doing these numbers. He had 18 points over the first 46 games. He has 11 points now in the last 18 games. You mentioned that he is starting to pick up penalty kill time. You mentioned the face-off percentage. So all of his metrics from October, November, and December, he was like 35% in the face-off circle. But like since January, he's like over 50%. You know, he, I don't think he played a lick of penalty kill time in the first three months of the season. He's been getting halfway decent penalty kill shifts. I feel like the last five or six games, he, you know, he he went out there for a shootout opportunity earlier this year. He's been getting time on the ice when the opposing team has the goaltender pulled. So dealing with a six on five scenario. So Pete DeBoer, he just sort of keeps dropping something in the kid's lap and the kid continues to run with it. Like he's, He's a special player. You don't score the 
400 points or whatever he did last year in the OHL, you know, <laughs> without being a special player. Yeah. But I also think a, a big part of it, like, and I don't know how many people talk about this outside of Dallas when they do mention the kid, but he lives with Joe Pavelski. So at, he, at the very beginning of the year, they went to Joe Pavelski and said, well, you take this kid in. They didn't want a 19-year-old trying to figure out how to live on his own in his first year of the NHL. Mm-hmm. And think about this. If you're a 19-year-old coming out of junior hockey and it's your first year in the NHL, like Joe Pavelski's a pretty good billet family, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to be yeah. To, to work with, given what he's done. So they they insulated Wyatt Johnston perfectly for him to succeed, and so far it's paid off. The playoffs will probably be the next test to see how he adjusts to that. Uh, just a couple more for you, Brian, before we let you go. Taking a look at the standings today, I mentioned it coming in. Uh, on top of the Central Division and a point out from leading the Western Conference uh, as we get down the stretch here for the Dallas Stars. Obviously, those two things you know, go hand in hand that you'd want to have the season finish out on top of the West and on top of your division for home ice. But is there something you look at with this group that you'd like to see them work on or is going to be a focus for this team down this last 20 or so games as they head into the postseason? Yeah, I think, you know, and and I know the Flames are fighting for their lives right now, but I, I think you can go back to last season and there's probably some similar thoughts like one, obviously you want your team clicking on all cylinders, right? And mm-hmm. and that's both offensively and defensively. So they've added Domi, they've added to Donov. It's great to score seven goals against Colorado, but after tonight, the stars play nine of their next 12 on the road. So can you go on the road and can you still get consistent depth production? Is your top line giving you offense is the line with, uh, Domi and Marchman and Sagan clicking is Ben Johnston and Dodonov clicking. Are you getting that consistent production? Cause you can't rely on one line. If you're going to make a run in the Western conference, I don't care how wide open it is. And then two, what does their defensive acumen look like? I, I thought the stars might try to take a run at a depth defenseman um, at the deadline. Uh, obviously they did not, whether they, went a hard run and they didn't like the price or just they thought they were okay where they're at. But Niels Lundquist is a rookie D-man. This is going to be his first time dealing with the playoffs. Um, You know, Joel Hanley's their seventh. If they have to call up somebody internally, but Thomas Harley, I think, has had one playoff game and it was technically a game in the bubble, like a play-in game in the bubble. So... If there's anybody who struggles in in the decor, or if there's anybody who gets hurt, you, know, you, you start to get a little thin at that position with some players that maybe don't have a ton of playoff experience. Doesn't mean it's a danger. There's just a little bit of an un, unknown factor there, right? So mm-hmm. how do they look? Yeah, how do they look in terms of their goals against? In terms of their D zone coverage, you know, breakdowns. What kind of you know? How much offense are they giving up to the other team? You know, Jake Ottinger is Jake Ottinger. He's a great security blanket, but if you ask Jake Ottinger to do what he did in game seven last year against Calgary <laughs> for an entire playoff run, his legs are going to fall off, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it's, 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 it's the old, it's a long answer to get to the old cliche. You want to yeah. make sure your team's playing the right way. So what, what are those details and is the depth pushing up on there? 
Uh, we talked about a lot of players on this hit, and I appreciate the time, Brian. But if you could give me one more guy, I always love to do this uh, as we end off hits. If there was a guy for Calgary listeners, Calgary fans, that uh, you see on a, a night-to-night basis that maybe doesn't get the same appreciation as some of the guys that we talked about on this Dallas side, who would you point to? So, yeah, the, the name I'll give you, and it's not, a dyna- it's not a dynamic player, an offensive player, but number 10 for Dallas, Ty Delandria. He's He's been playing with, before the trades, he was playing up in the lineup. And it's not that he wasn't a bad player there. He's just, he's not a top six power play guy. He's a middle six penalty killing forward. And he's one of the stars, ice time leaders amongst forwards when it comes to killing penalties. But I love the way he plays because he, I'm going to use the word tenacity. All right. He's, he's not a rat. You know, he's not an instigator. He's just, he's just a hard player, you know, mm-hmm. just a hard in your face player. And I think Calgary fans can respect this, especially the way Daryl Sutter likes to play hockey. Right. So I had a conversation with him in the first half of the season. I, I asked him if he was a younger sibling, because the way he plays, he feels like he'd be a younger sibling to me. And he said, no, he's not. He's got, he's got some cousins who are older, but that's it. But he, he lost his first tooth on opening night. He has drawn the ire of some teams by just playing that in your face style. And he's one of the leading penalty killers on, on amongst the forwards. And, what I asked him about penalty killing, the quote he said to me is, look, when I'm killing penalties, I hate the other team's power play. Like that, that I, that's what I want out of my penalty killer. I want you to be missing a tooth and I want you to hate the other team's power play. Right. So I'll tell you, Delandria, just, we'll see how much shift time he gets. Cause he is now back on the fourth line, but when he's on the ice, there is just sort of a, an angry tenacity about him that I think is really fun to watch. Brian, thanks so much for the time, man. I really do appreciate it, especially on a game day. I know how those uh, always get busy, but thanks for uh, giving us some time on this game day, and we'll uh, we'll chat with you again soon, hey? Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Brian Ray joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon for our look at the opposition. Uh, Brian covering the Dallas Stars for Bally Sports Southwest. Flames and Stars, 6.30 puck drop tonight, which means Pat Steinberg has your Flames warm-up with Peter Labardius at 5.30. Derek Wills and Lou call the Flames and the Stars at 6.30 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fans get you some Flames game day audio. We'll hear from both head coaches ahead of this matchup tonight. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960. The fan. All right. Last segment of Sportsnet today before we hand things over to Pat and Wes for Flames talk on this Calgary Flames game day. Flames and the Dallas Stars. Let's uh, hear some Flames game day audio ahead of this matchup with the Dallas Stars on Monday night. We'll head to Dallas and hear from head coach Daryl Sutter speaking to the media after morning skate. Maybe just first what, uh, you know, the kind of message to your group coming off uh the weekend and kind of looking at this back-to-back situation. Yeah, well, you know what? I think we've had a little bit of a drop in our game since the since uh, the Boston game. I don't think we we uh, adjusted to Toronto very well, and I don't think we adjusted to Minnesota very well. So that was the theme today about you know Toronto was a real fast team. I think they took advantage of that, and I think against many they're a hard grind team, and I think we didn't get into that as much as we said so we got to get back to that pace work game again which is really important and uh, I think 
you know, we'd, we'd been really good at it until the Toronto game for through that whole trip, quite honestly, and then bringing it home too. So we just want to get back to that. You think there's any correlation to the Boston game, or is it more of an individual game? You know, maybe just sort of the, the effort that was put into that game? Yeah, I don't think so much about the effort. I just think that, that you know, there's, there's games where you're going to get a lot of scoring chances, and then when you don't bury them, and then then they think it's going to come easy again. Well, I'm going to get that chance, then I'm going to score. And if you look at it, we have, we have, you know, I said after the game the other night, you know, you got you got guys you're counting on just to produce some offense that aren't even that aren't even getting scoring chances, barely. And it's not so much scoring chances; it's ozone time and possession game. So, uh, you know, you look at Naz and Lindy's line have really struggled with that the last two games. So, uh, you know, they need to bump it up again. Is that kind of part of maybe making a couple of changes? Yeah, for, for sure it is. Yeah. I think that that uh, um, Jacobs played good wherever we put him, right? So it's up to you know, quite honestly, it's up to those veteran guys to take a step with their game. That's you know, that's that's their calling card. So do it. You know, you get we give them lots of opportunity and put them in situations too, but they got to do it. And a good opportunity for Nick here tonight, it looks like, too. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I told him last game, before the last game, I wanted to get him in at some point. I just wasn't really sure. I know I know from knowing him that he's he's not a guy that sits on the bench and plays well. So you can't really put slot him into that eight, nine-minute role. He's got to play higher up. And if he does, and if he's on his game, then he's effective. Otherwise, otherwise he's not in. So that's that's how, you know, that's how you have to use him. So we want to give him a good opportunity there. And is part of that some of that energy too to, to maybe bring to that to that line too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they when I go back to that line in particular, they they have very little zone time or possession time at all. So uh, it's pretty tough to have any scoring opportunity or to set any kind of tone for the next shift for the guys coming. Basically, they're in recovery mode, usually getting off instead of instead of a reload situation. Uh, Overall, when you look at um, you know kind of adjusting, what are you adjusting to when you talk about Dallas? You mentioned Toronto and Minnesota. I think combination. You know, I think that they're they, you know, have three pretty. You know, if you go one, two, three with them, that's a that's a high one, and then you go two, and then you go three, and those are three pretty good lines. And you look at it. So, and they're they're a balanced team. I've coached against Peter Lotson and uh, right from Stanley Cup Finals on down. They're you know they're not gonna they're gonna show up and check. That's for sure. There you go, Flames head coach Daryl Sutter addressing the media following morning skate in Dallas and uh, came with a lot of intrigue after he swapped up three of his four forward lines. Expecting to see Walker Dewar out tonight. Nick Ritchie will make his Flames debut on a line with Kadri and Huberto. Pelche moves up with Lindholm and Toffoli. That leaves Dubé to center Lucic and Lewis. A big opportunity for Nick Ritchie, his first game as a member of the Calgary Flames, and it will come on that line with Kadri and Huberto. He was one of the Flames to speak to the media following practice ahead of his Flames debut tonight. You know, get an opportunity to get on the road with the guys. I'd imagine that there's probably uh, you know some helpful tools just in the fact that you can kind of you know be with the group and, and kind of acclimate uh, you know acclimatize to the whole situation here too. For sure, it's good. Uh, nice to get right into it and um, back to back coming up. Obviously, big games for us, and uh, excited to be here. And uh, I got a good feeling about it. Well, and, and Daryl was just talking about uh, you know how he's going to kind of integrate you in, and what about uh, the idea of the line that you're on, and uh, you know what you guys think you could be as a trio? Yeah, obviously those two two uh, you know world class players. Uh, 
played a long time in this league and had lots lots of success and uh, hopefully I can just help them and uh, help the team help the team win and uh, that's what yeah. we're looking at right now. What about um, for you? What what has to be kind of the you know key to your game to make sure it looks successful here tonight? Yeah, I think playing with guys like that, just you know being hard on the forecheck, uh, physical, and uh, getting those guys to puck and getting back to the net, I think would be the be the idea. I think tonight. Well, how much do you, how much uh, you know no experience in terms of the guys who know them in terms of the game and, and what uh, you know what they do to the ice or what they bring to the ice? I should say. Yeah, um, obviously a good team here, and uh, getting a chance to play with those two guys. But also, uh, you know, I think this team's got four really good lines and uh, desperate times right now, and. Um, Going to, be, going to be a good one tonight, and then hopefully we get on the right side of it. Yeah, can you sense that right away in terms of just the, the urgency and, and making sure that uh, you know tonight's the start of when it has to be a really good stretcher? Well, for sure. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious that it's uh, need to go on a bit of a run here and uh, you know pile up some points and, and see how it plays out. And um, starting tonight in Dallas, and then on to the next game, we're just focused on tonight right now. Nick Ritchie, uh, speaking to Flames TV's Brendan Parker, there for the most part, you could hear. Uh, you know, well aware of the situation. The Calgary Flames are in, in tough for a playoff race, uh, but they'll need to pick up points starting tonight against the Dallas Stars. Nick Ritchie will wear number 27 for the Calgary Flames tonight on that line with Kadri and Huberdo, and that means a bigger opportunity for young Jacob Pelche, who's been great since coming up from the Wranglers, now an earned top spot with Lindholm and Toffoli. How's Jacob Pelche feeling out of this matchup against the Dallas Stars We'll hear from him next. Where does it start in terms of uh, the emotion here tonight? And uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we just have to play with the passion. Uh, I think you know we we have to you know to get like good pace in the first. I think we we have to have like a strong start. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I mean, I'm, I would imagine you kind of look at you know last game and. Um, you know, obviously those areas, uh, you know, stick out. But about the energy, and you really think that uh, you know, kind of the start is what what helps get that going. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, if like uh, we're twenty guys that are playing tonight, if like uh, we 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 can't all like hit a guy or you no know, shoot the puck or you know, uh, try trying to bring you know some uh, uh, some passion, I think uh, everything's gonna be all right. Looked like um, you know some changes to the forward lines, and Daryl was just kind of talking about just trying to find you know maybe a few different combinations. But uh, it trusted you a lot with uh, you know wherever you've been. You, uh, you you know he's felt good about your game. Well, what about the idea of you know playing with uh, Toffoli and uh, and Lindholm? Well, it's nice. Uh, you know I think Toff is a sniper, uh, and uh, you know for me I think it's just you know to to bring uh, some uh, some some kind of. For four check, uh, you know, trying to play simple, be be in front in front of of uh, the net, and we'll see what's gonna happen. Well, and I know you got a chance, obviously, to play here pretty good stretch with Kadri and Hubert on maybe different, but you know, two guys who obviously experienced, and you know, how much does that sort of you know give you some confidence to just about you know trying to get the puck into those guys' hands? To play with the Toff and Lindy, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, I think you know, uh, I think I kind of have to learn. Uh, still, and you know, to play with with the, these two guys that have a s- success for uh, five or, or or more years, uh, it's good for, for me. And uh, yeah, where does it, the, you know that that enthusiasm? It seems pretty natural for you. Where does it where does it come from? Yeah, uh, since I'm young, but uh, I'm you know I'm 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 here. I'm playing for for the Flames. So each day, it's a it's a great day. There you go, Jacob Pelche, last of the Flames to speak to the media today. 
a big opportunity for him and an earned opportunity in my mind for uh, him to be up on that line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Will we see an added element of passion or energy from this group? Uh, you sure hope so after what was a disappointing outcome for this team Saturday against the Minnesota Wild. On the other side, the Dallas Stars. Talked about them earlier this hour with Brian Ray, uh, but this is a team that's won three in a row, feeling good about themselves. They top their division in the Central, one point back of Vegas for the lead in the Western Conference, but no, they have a tough test ahead of them tonight against a Daryl Sutter-coached Calgary Flames team. Here is their head coach, Pete DeBoer, on a game day against Calgary. Um, well, I mean, obviously a big, big win against a division rival and a team that's trying to catch us in the standings and that had been playing really well um so anytime you can beat colorado uh it's a big win um you know we scored some goals we got some guys that scored for the first time in a long time you know at the same time you know i thought in the third we uh we sat back a little bit too much we let them uh do a little more than i would like in that situation but those are hard leads to play with so way more good than bad yeah well I think I think it starts to go on now I think I think the races are that tight everywhere that uh, you know you're you're watching you're watching them at the same time you know for me whoever gets those slots one day and I've talked about this before I mean I've been to two finals and you know one as a a six seed and one as a seven seed, I think. And, you know, the time we went as a six seed, we got beat by the eight seed, which was L.A. to win. So I think if you're in, if you get a ticket to the playoffs, you know, it, it really doesn't matter where you are. You're going to play a real good team. Any update on Petey? Uh, probable for tonight. He's going to skate this morning, and we'll see how he is. You slot in where Freddie is on that yeah. line? Yeah. And Jake? Yeah. Mendoni, just that whole process was difficult. I think I know you guys just say it's no big deal, but how much better could he be the second game? Than yeah. Well, I, I thought he was pretty good. You know, I thought uh, you know he could have he had a couple goals, a couple points, big hit to kind of set the tone. So um, you know, I, I think um, yeah, it's not an easy day, not an easy turnaround, but. You know, it's not like he had a disappointing game, and we're looking for him to get. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I thought that line was 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 good. You know, I didn't think I didn't think uh, you know, arguably might have been our best line. Maybe not production wise, but but you know, creating chances analytically, uh, they were really good. You know, every game you can't get points from every line, every pairing, yeah. like you guys did last game. But when you do get that, how much does that relieve the pressure off of? the top guys, Miro and the top line. Yeah. Well, it's everything come, you know, that, that that's that's the difference between teams that win at the end and teams that don't is is depth. Um, you know, again, not to talk about my experiences, but but, you know, too much, but but they're real like, you know, the the times we've won or had deep runs, it's because our depth outproduced other teams depth and the times we've lost at key moments has been because we've been outproduced by depth. So, you know, there's a reason everyone's running around at the trade deadline trying to trying to add pieces. Can you adjust the power play if at all with a guy like Domi? Is it a skill change at your mindset or tactics or anything? No, not really. I mean, uh, 
you know, he's a half wall guy. He likes the puck in his hands. He can shoot it. Just another weapon for us, another option. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully that second unit can be become a dangerous weapon for us. That, that's the goal. Without Mason, then, what do you, what do you look for from the net front guys? Yeah. Well... You know, again, I think uh, everybody's interchangeable. You know, I, I don't. I think we end up. You know, we have spots, but we don't always end up in those spots. I think guys have to be interchangeable. So whoever's at the net has to get that job done. Tyler Sagan's actually, you know, you know, after Joe Pavelski, probably one of our best uh, net front tip guys. You know, when he works on it, he, he's got great hands around there. So whoever ends up there's got to get that done. So after tonight, after tonight, you're on the road. Mm -hmm. Is there a key to handling something like do you do something a little differently when it's week after week that you're away from home? Or yeah. No, I, I think um, you know we had a real road heavy first half, and then we've been at home now for a while. So I think I think I think we're excited about getting on the road. I think the nice thing about being on the road is it's hockey twenty four seven, and um, you know we we've been a real good road team all year, so we want to continue that. Generally, about the concept of defensemen and goalie communication. Mm -hmm. um, how important is that, and how much of a role do both sides play, whether it's Jake or whoever the goalie is with the defenseman? And yeah. Is it verbal? Is it feel? How, is, how does that go? Well, I, I think it's a combination of, of rules, um, you know, so that uh, everybody knows where the support is uh, without having to to make a read I think that's important part of what we do and then the next part is is verbal um, you know a lot of times uh, if a goalie's got his back turned you know you want to be able to use the the weak side of the ice and the only way he's throwing that is if he hears from your defenseman so I think it's a combination of those things what have the discussions been like with Ty and Ty Delandria, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, my discussions with him has, has been this isn't a reflection of you or your play. I think it, if anything, it's, hey, we think you can drive a line, you know, for us deeper in the lineup and, and create a real mismatch for us down there. And I thought I thought that line was excellent last game doing that. There you have it, Pete DeBoer, head coach of the Dallas Stars. They are the Flames' opponent tonight. They've won three in a row. Flames will look to end a losing streak of their own tonight here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.